Well, good morning, Vineyard Church. How are you this morning? Great. It is great to be with you. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. If I have not had the chance to meet you, let me just add my voice to the welcome. We are glad that you're here. Uh, we are coming up on 24 years in this city, and I know it's pretty exciting, and you being here is an answer to prayers that have been being prayed for decades. And we join a church kind of community across the city of Pearland that has been here long before I showed up. Maybe, maybe you helped be a part of maybe one of the first churches, but we are a part of a work of God in a place among a people, and we are grateful for that. And so we're glad that you're here. Let me uh, extend an invitation. We're glad you made it here for Sunday morning. Uh, we do have a night experience coming up that I would like to invite everybody to. It is January 29th. That is our vision night. And you might be wondering what a vision night is for a church. It is a night for our community to gather. We are going to worship, which I am grateful for. We will have some time of prayer. And it's, it kind of creates a space where I'm able to share a little bit about what we believe God is doing in our church in this season as we also look forward to join the work of God, to join the story that God is writing in the cities we love. So I hope you will come. If you are SVP and you happen to have young ones that are a part of your crew, there is childcare provided. It is 4 to 5.30, so I hope you can join us for Vision Night. Today we're in week two of our series, The Creator in Creation, and I will be tackling a small subject, the Trinity, and that is a theological perspective of Scripture where God is one and yet three, and as we prayed the Lord's Prayer today, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we uh, experience this view of who God is here at the vineyard as Three in one, distinct yet perfectly unified, three yet one that is whole. So today's going to be a good day to be here. If you've ever wondered about things like this, today is the day. Because we want you to know that the Vineyard as a local church is part of a family of churches. And last week what we talked about is that we believe God is the creator. And that knowing God as the creator invites us to receive the good life we were created for. Because when we understand God as creator, we now have a source for life outside of ourselves that gives us life and invites us into a life-giving life. That sounds nice, right? When we understand God is the creator and we are not, we should be able to take a nice deep breath, we can relax a little bit, and begin to draw life from the source of life. We also said that God is eternal. That's good news for us today because an eternal God has been since the beginning. An eternal God is present with us today. Everybody say good news. And an eternal God holds all of the future in his creative capacity. God is creator. God is eternal and God is good. The work of God, the intent and heart and character of God is good, and that is actually good news. Because there might be a creator source, and that creator source might be eternal, but if that creator source is not eternally good, then we're always wondering, what are we getting and what are we in for? But as followers of Jesus, as a community rooted in the scriptures, we can trust in a good, life-giving God. Well, that should sum it up today, all right? Uh, that's pretty nice. That was week one recap, okay? 
It is this goodness. It is this goodness of God that we all long for. It is that thing that I think our heart and our, our life looks for. I just think, you could call me wrong, you could say I miss it, but I just think we all at the core of who we are are looking for the good life. Would you believe that? The good life. And if you're not sure that you can have the good life here, I think everybody's hoping for the good life after life, right? But again, what we're going to see is a creative God, a good God, an eternal God that spoke in the beginning and created everything good and in the end is making all things new. It will all be good. Not only guarantees a good life after life, but invites us to a good life here because you are created for the good life. And here's what I know that requires. The most easy thing in life, the thing we are all experts in, trust. Oh, just me? It's about relationship. And healthy relationship and healthy attachment demand trust. It is this incredible capacity to go, I can lean all of my life onto this relationship because this relationship is trustworthy. And what we're going to see today that I believe is so essential, it is foundational, is that God creator, God eternal, God good, is a God who wants relationship with us above all things so we can walk with God. We can trust God. I shared with you that for us as a local church, this view of scripture through the lens of the kingdom of God, the way we see Jesus live his life and teach, this view of scripture from Genesis to Revelation helps us step into this story of God. It helps us understand the scriptures. And I'm going to read a summary paragraph or two to launch our time today as we jump into the Trinity. But again, this is out of the Gospel of the Kingdom, Scriptural Studies in the Kingdom of God by George Eldon Ladd. This is going to be in context in the book, but if you have some questions, that's okay. Just maybe notice what sparks your heart, what sort of draws you in, and hopefully it'll make enough sense uh, this morning. The kingdom of God is a miracle. It is the act of God. It is supernatural. Men cannot build the kingdom. They cannot erect it. The kingdom is the kingdom of God. It is God's reign, God's rule. God has entrusted the gospel of the kingdom to humans. It is our responsibility to proclaim the good news about the kingdom but the actual working of the kingdom is God's working. The fruitage is produced not by human effort or skill, but by the life of the kingdom itself. It is God's deed. As we walk in relationship with God, creator, eternal, and good, we begin to draw life from God. So again, we can take a deep breath. It will not be our religious efforts. It will be our relational it will be our relational connection with God. This is the mystery of the kingdom. Before the day of harvest, before the end of the age, God has entered into history in the person of Christ to work among men, to bring them the life and blessings of his kingdom. It comes humbly, unobtrusively. It comes to men as a Galilean carpenter went through the cities of Palestine preaching the gospel of the kingdom, delivering men from their bondage of the devil. It comes to us as his disciples went through Galilean villages with the same message. It comes 
today as disciples of Jesus still take the gospel of the kingdom into all the world. It comes quietly, humbly, without fire from heaven, without a blaze of glory, without a rending of the mountains or a cleaving of the skies. It comes like a seed sown in the earth. It can be rejected by hard hearts. It can be choked out. Its life may sometimes seem to wither and die. But it is the kingdom of God. It brings the miracle of the divine life among men. It introduces them to the blessings of the divine rule. It is to them the supernatural work of God's grace. And this kingdom, this same supernatural power of God, will yet manifest itself at the end of the age. This time, not quietly within the lives of those who receive it, but in power and great glory. Such is the gospel of the kingdom. We are on a journey together to experience the rule and reign of God, the authority of God in all things. That we could step into this story that God is beautifully writing eternally through all time and all generations. And it's a story meant for you personally. That your life the truest thing about your life would anchor you in the story of God, the relationship of the living God for you where you need it most. And I can be confident of this, that God wants to be relational with us, that God wants to be relational with us because in the very nature of God is relationship itself, the Trinity, the Trinity. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit within that beautiful, beloved community show us that it is loving relationship that is the source and the life of all life. And for those of you that are uh, theologically scholastic, you think about the scriptures, you study the thoughts of God, you might go, hey, Kurt, I just hate to break it to you, but the Trinity, that language is not in the scriptures. I learned that this week as I researched the revelation of God the Father, the revelation of God the Son, and the revelation of God the Holy Spirit is in the scriptures, and the Trinity is the language that we have given, that we ascribe to what that means. And here's what I know. I believe today that should set deeper in our heart hope for today. Here's why. Genesis 1-1. Join with me in the scriptures. If you would like, Version Bible app, it'll be on the screen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the greatest origin story ever to be told. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the beginning, God, and now we see the Spirit of God. And God said, 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 then God said, that's a summary of Genesis 1, like 3 through about 24. (laughs) You can go read it this week. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. The origin story, we see this community within God himself sharing life with creation. In the beginning, God, 
the Spirit of God, in our likeness, let us. Now, let's jump to the New Testament. This is uh, a book of the Bible called John, and this is how John 1 starts. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This word that John is talking, that this gospel is talking about is Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Source of life, creativity, eternal goodness. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. All right. Creation story, we see God the Father, we see the Son present there at the beginning, and we see the Spirit present at the beginning. One of the resources we've been using for this series is the Bible Project, and they have a video to talk about the Trinity. Check out the first 90 seconds of this video. Let's see if it helps us. So I've got a question that's always bothered me. The Bible says there's one God, but in other parts of the Bible, God is three, Father, Son, and Spirit. How can it be both? Yeah, this is a question that has mystified people for thousands of years. And while we can't fully explain it, I think we can better understand what it is that we can't fully understand. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, think of it this way. Here's a two-dimensional plane. And then here's an object with three dimensions that's going to pass through the 2D plane. Okay, right. From this perspective, the 3D objects above and below the plane. So now it makes sense. But imagine you were a 2D person stuck on the 2D plane. What would you see? I don't know. What would I see? Well, it would look like this. Oh, yeah, okay. From this perspective, it looks impossible. It's one object, and then, then two objects, and then three. But in reality, they're all one, just not in a way you're capable of understanding. Now, let's take this whole thing as a visual analogy for how we experience God. The claim in the Bible is that God is transcendent, a divine being through whom we live and move and have our being. Or, as God says, I am. Okay, but I live here in this universe, so when God appears, it will make sense in some ways, but in other ways, it will break my categories. Exactly. This happens all the time when people encounter the God in the Bible. All right. Who's more confused now that I showed you that video than you were before? We thought that might be the case. Remember that what we see in the Trinity is perfect unity and love the most divine, beautiful portrayal of relationship and attachment as it's intended to be. Let's jump to the end of this video and see if it's a little more helpful. Jesus' first followers, the apostles, talked about his identity using the language of God's attributes. They called Jesus the glory of God, or the apostle Paul called Jesus the wisdom of God, or John opens his gospel calling Jesus the word of God through whom the world was created. And then he says, the word was with God and was God. Okay, I get what they're doing and it hurts my brain. Totally. And if you want to spin your brain even more, consider this. 
Jesus, who's portrayed as God become human, would talk to God as a distinct person. And when he did, he called him Father. When Jesus talked about God, he wasn't referring to an abstract force or energy. He was talking about a personal being that you can relate to. There's a lot of personal images of God in the Bible, ruler, creator, judge. But Jesus consistently referred to God as my father. Jesus experienced God as a source of infinite love. He said, the father has loved me since before the creation of the world. Apparently, Jesus knew the father as an eternally others-centered life-giving being. Right, like in the story about Jesus' baptism, when the father says from heaven, this is my son whom I love. And then keep reading, in that story, the person who brings that message of love from the father to the son is the spirit of God. So we've talked about God's spirit. Here within creation, it's through the spirit that we interact with the divine. Yeah, and the same was true for Jesus. Through the spirit, he experienced the father's love, but it didn't stop there. Jesus promised that through him, the spirit would go out and share the father's love with all humanity and with all creation. So it can look like these are three distinct gods, but in some way that transcends my view of reality, they're also one. Right. This is what later followers of Jesus called the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are the one God of the Bible. I could see how they got there. But this isn't just a philosophy puzzle. To describe God as a triunity is to claim that the universe is held together by an eternal community of love. Which is something that I can't really understand. But the God of the Bible isn't a being that you understand. The point is to know and be known by this God so that we can participate in his love. That video a little more helpful. What I love about the way they conclude their view of the Trinity is that we are being invited to participate in God's love. This is important for us as a community because we are desiring to welcome the fullness of God into our lives. And we need to understand that work of God into relationship with us and understand the work of the Spirit today that we can say, come Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will beautifully reflect that eternal community of love to us. And we can say yes to the Son who is the way, the truth, and the life, the one who came full of grace and truth, who says, follow me because I am the way to the Father. We can get fully in on that story because Jesus lives fully connected to God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And this is essential for you, for you. Because if the universe is held together by an eternal community of love, when we declare you are loved, it is not a feel-good statement, although it should make you feel good. It is maybe the most essential anchoring of the scriptures and the life of God we could ever embrace. And if we hold it off, and if we resist the love of God in our life, we are pushing back against the creator and asserting our own will, saying, I know better. I know better. And so as a local church, I find this to be a beautiful invitation for us. A big theological idea, yes, a hard-to-fathom one, that's why it requires trust, but a relationally true and beautiful opportunity for every single one of us, that God wants relationship with us.
that as we walk in relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we get to join and participate in this community of love, which is the intent of the garden. It is the intent of the new heaven, new earth. It is the work of God through all of time. See Baxter Kruger in his work, The Great Dance, says this, The purpose of the Father, Son, and Spirit in creation is to draw us within the circle of their shared life so that we too can experience it with them. What I want you to hear is this matters for your life because you can draw life from God. Like when you wake up tomorrow morning, just add to your agenda, your checklist, your calendar, your reminder, or your morning routine, draw life from God today. It's good. The beautiful work of the Trinity is that the life and the love that they share in eternal relationship, they want to give to you so we can draw source from the creator. We can draw life from the creator and we can have this perfect image of attachment, this perfect image of unity in the midst of diversity anchoring us as a beloved community. In God, we see a beloved community, and that is the image and the vision for us as a church. That is the image and vision for what God wants to do in creation is a beloved community. A beloved community. And so here at the Vineyard, we try to join that story when we say, you are loved. And right now, some of you are going, yeah, but all the more reason we have to keep screaming and declaring and proclaiming you are loved that's the proclamation of the kingdom of god is you are loved now here's what i know humans have been doing horrible things to humans since about what genesis two three i don't know let's see here i mean genesis four brother kills brother So we struggle with this beautiful picture of God because we see the uncertain, the untrustworthy realities of life. We're made in the image of God, and yet there's a deeper work God needs to do to bring us into the full likeness. Do not dismiss the love of God because you've experienced the brokenness within my own life. You are loved. And here's what you have to wrestle with in your own story. If the creator God at the beginning of creation and time declares you are loved, what will you do with that? You actually are making a decision every day. Do I trust my own voice? Do I trust my own assessment of things? Or do I learn how to yield my identity, yield my worldview, yield my self-view, yield the whole of my life to the love of God in beautiful Trinitarian community to say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, take more hold of my heart and my mind that I could step into the good news that you love me. Now, here's what's great. If you can settle the truth that God loves you, you are positioned like Jesus to love your enemies. We as the church are positioned to to begin to show the world what it looks like to be a part of this community of love that holds it all together because we 
begin to walk in the ways of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here's what I mean. God the Father is faithful. The scriptures tell the story over and over and over again that the kingdom of God is from generation to generation to generation, that he is making all things new, and he is full of unfailing love. That is the heart and character of God the Father. Faithfulness. God the Son, Jesus Christ, is most regularly described as humble. In Philippians 2, you get this beautiful picture of the humility of God revealed in Jesus, that he did not attain or assert himself to be like God, but he humbled himself and made himself nothing to show us what unfailing love looks like. This is the work of the Trinity. God the Holy Spirit. As we preached in the first Sunday of the year, as you see in Exodus, as you see in the Old Testament, as you see in the New Testament, like Acts 1, as you see Jesus talk about it in John 16, Galatians 5, God the Holy Spirit is present. And that shows us that unfailing love is intended to be present, connected, attached in loving relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, full of unfailing love. Do you feel full of unfailing love today? Do not be discouraged if your answer is no. That is an invitation to say, God, I need more of you. I need more of your beautiful community. I need more of this beloved community to take rule and reign in my life. The thing that I love about this theological thought about the Trinity is we're asked not to leave it as a theological idea, but let it become a lived experience. Let our lives be saturated with the love of God. And then let our life, as we join in this life with God, share that to all the people around us. Social poll. Have you ever met someone in your life experience that was hard to love? Do not elbow the person next to you. That's not nice. (laughs) Come on now. It's a beloved community here. The beloved community of the Trinity invites us to be a diverse, beloved community. Bearing God's image and witnessing to his love. Church, when we read in Revelation, every tribe, tongue, and nation will worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for eternity. When Jesus says, love your enemies, What he's saying is there's a better work and a deeper work of my kingdom and the people who are called and who identify as part of my name and my story. And we, at this moment, need to step into that like never before. We need a view of the Trinity because today, in our day and in our time and in our cities and in our neighborhoods and maybe in our homes, we need a love of God to come and show us how to love across a difference. We need the love of God to come and show us how to love across a relationship in perfect unity the way Father, Son, and Spirit love one another. We need the life-giving life of God. Would you agree with that? This is what we need, and good news. It's in the scriptures. Better news, it's in the character and heart of God. But let me tell you, this is the greatest struggle. To be a beloved community is the greatest struggle. Remember how I told you since the time of humans? Humans get at each other because of sin. Humans get at each other because of disobedience. Humans get at each other because of pride. Because there are powers and principalities at work 
that are trying to push back against the kingdom of God, that are resisting that. I'm going to read to you two quotes that I connected to in the life of someone who had a longing for this vision of a beloved community. Today happens to be Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. And tomorrow, we will recognize that as a holiday. And here's what's interesting about his heart. He loved Jesus. And he longed for that beloved community to be more realized in his lifetime. And listen to what he writes in 1956. This is in Facing the Challenge of a New Age. But the end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. It is this type of understanding and goodwill that will transform the deep gloom of the present age into the exuberant gladness of the age to come. It is the love which will bring about miracles in the hearts of men. 1956. What struck me as I was working through some of his work is that in 1957, a year later, this is what's written. The role of the church in facing the nation's chief moral dilemma, 1957. But the end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. The type of love that I stress here is not eros, a sort of aesthetic or romantic love, not philia, a sort of reciprocal love between personal friends, but it is agape, which is understanding goodwill for all men. It is an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. It is the love of God working in the lives of men. This is the love that may well be the salvation of our civilization. 1957. And what, what landed on my heart as I think about this beautiful picture of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the creator and creation and God's heart for what's happening among humanity, is I could just imagine it being the creator and creation, week two, 2023 by Kurt Attaway. That what we still need is reconciliation. What we still need is redemption. What we still need is the creation of a beloved community to capture our hearts and our lives like never before. The work of the kingdom remains the same until God comes again and makes all things new. So we're caught in this collision. We're caught in the middle of this thing where things are not quite right. And we catch glimpses of the already where heaven begins to show up. And then we lament and we grieve the pain and the sorrow and going, God, where are you? Why do humans do this? Why do you do this? And we cry out and we lament. And what we actually long for is the beloved community. We long for it. We long for heaven on earth. And just to be really clear, when we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray every tribe, every tongue, every nation 
unified, yet beautifully diversified, being made in the image of God, because not a single one of us in our image can capture the beauty and fullness of the Creator. What might it be like for us to be the beloved community? It is the love of God working in the lives of us. It is the love of God working in the lives of men. So what do we do with that? What do we do as to step into this story of God? Here's my conclusion. You can email me at kurt at prayerlandvineyard.org if you think I'm wrong. If you sign your name to it, I will respond. Here's my conclusion. We need a move of God in our day and time. I need a move of God in my life at this day and time. I long for the beloved community of heaven to saturate my home where it is needed, where it is needed. I long for the beloved community of my neighborhood and this city and that we would begin to feel like the kingdom of God and the beauty of its light is shining brighter, not more dimly. We need a move of God. We need to cry out for and long for a move of God. And here's how I see that work in the Trinity. One, we can pray a very powerful yet succinct prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. That is the gift of the Trinity for the church today. You can read Jesus talk about it in John 16, 14, 15, 16, and in Acts 1. When we ask for the Holy Spirit to come, what we're saying is, God, be present. God, in your perfect unity and love, care for every person in this room. Transform me. Give me the fruit of your kingdom. Come, Holy Spirit. But what that does is it calls my life into humility and prayer. I depend on God. I listen for God. I look for God. And I humble myself. A move of God in humility and prayer. We as a community look to Jesus as Lord. That means Jesus has authority and rule and reign over everything in me and all things we long for them to come under the authority of Jesus. Jesus doesn't just save me. He wants to give me the life-giving life of his kingdom. He wants me to join in his story. So there's humility and surrender. And the Father, who we long to glorify, who we long to say your ways are better than my ways, your boundaries are the boundaries that lead me into life. It's humility and obedience. I'll just be really honest. My disobedience should be a primary reason I don't judge the disobedience of those who are not following Jesus. My disobedience should work deeper humility and need in my life for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to come and transform me 
for repentance, for lament, for grief, so that we, in maybe another couple decades, aren't just saying the exact same thing that those fathers and mothers of the faith before us lament. We need humility to step into this kind of story. We need prayer to be dependent and connected to God. We need to discover that, oh God, come, I yield my life to you in ways I never have, but maybe today will be a new day. Maybe today for some of you in this room or online is the day you say yes to a relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you allow your life story to be held together in this beloved community like you never have before. You just know what that means. You know you have not prioritized God, you've prioritized yourself. If you're here today and you're worn out and you're tired and you're spent, let the source of life fill you. If you feel unloved or unlovable, that is a lie from the enemy. That is outside of God's kingdom understanding of you. That's outside of his character, and he wants to speak love to you today. What do you need? Again, with humility and courage, I think you need a move of God in your life. You need the creator God to move in and on and through you in ways that are new and fresh. And again, I might get an email or two tomorrow. Think about this. Are we satisfied with what is happening? Are you okay with where you are at? May I again just say, you are being invited to a story with the creator God eternal, source of life and good, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who want to work in your life, and they will wait patiently for you to decide. They will wait. So I want to be really practical about some decisions that are in front of us as a church where you could step into this story of beloved community very intentionally. And we're not going to make anybody do it, okay? So this is not a coercive moment. This is not a manipulative moment. This is a, we're telling you what we're doing, and you are invited. It's like a good party, right? Who likes being invited to a good party? How many of you like being invited to silence, solitude, and independent party time by yourself? Yeah. This can be that kind of party for you too, okay? I'm just saying. Introverts unite. We need a diverse community here, okay? Beginning January 30th, you are invited as part of this church family to intentionally pray for a move of God for 21 days. We are going to do 21 days of prayer from January 30th to February 19th. Can I just tell you what's going to be really cool about this? My friend Terrence Campbell, who pastors Growing Faith Fellowship here in our city, they're stepping into 21 days of prayer. Jason Crandall, City View Church, 21 days of prayer. Greg Hartman, Vineyard Church, Kansas City, they're currently in 21 days of prayer. Houston Church Planting Network, about 135 churches across the Houston metro area. February, month of prayer. We are joining with the church and saying we need a move of God. We want to pray to know God more fully in our own lives, so it's deeply personal for you. Receive everything you need. We are going to pray for friends and family members and neighbors by name, 
that the revelation of God's love would be very real to them in this time. And we are going to pray for a move of God in, in the cities that we love. And that can be local or global. Because we are joining the work of God around the earth and we're joining the work of God right here in our backyard. 21 days of prayer. Mark your calendars, January 30th to February 19th. We would love for you to be a part of that. And the other one is small groups. To be a beloved community, we have to practice beyond Sunday. There's a pastor in New York who pastors a church and I follow him and uh, his name is Rich. And he said something really interesting about the diversity of the church. He said, are we going to be willing to let the diversity of the church be like the New York subway? The New York subway is very diverse, but there's not relationship being shared because you get on, you go to where you're going, and you get off. He said, or will we begin to be a beloved community where we share the table, and we share a living room, and we share friendship with one another, and we understand that we can see the beauty of God in every tribe, tongue, and nation. We can see the beauty of God in how your life story is uniquely yours and different than mine. We can see the work of God in your story from generation to generation, and we can practice showing what love looks like in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with one another. Small groups is a primary way we practice that because you can come in on Sunday. You come in at 10.07. You can sneak in. You can stay seated during the coffee break can read the program so no one will bother you. You can sneak out right at the end. You can come in and experience worship services by yourself. And that's okay if that's where you're at on your journey. To practice beloved community means we have to begin to practice relationship with one another. We need to connect during the week. We need to pray for one another. We need to share the stories of God with one another. And I believe small groups will be the way forward. If anything we've learned over these last few years, which will remain nameless, we need community. We need each other. I need you. I need the work of God in you to show me hope where I lack it in myself. 21 days of prayer and small groups. And if you don't see a small group that works for you right now, email us and let's see if we can create one. Let's see if we can find some new leaders. Let's read the scriptures together. Let's read a book together. Or just prepare for the summer because we'll run more groups during the summer and we'll run more groups during the fall because we are committed to being a beloved community. Let's stand together. In the beginning, God, everything that's been made was made through him. The life that was light to all mankind is revealed in Jesus, is continued by the Holy Spirit today. So here's my question. Where do you need life? Where do you need life right now? Where do you have need? I love the prayer, come Holy Spirit, because what you begin to say is, God, be present to me. The same spirit that hovered over the chaos of the waters at the creation. Hover over my chaos. Begin to speak life and order. Let your light shine in the darkness. Come and have your way. What do you need today? Maybe you're a lot like me and you go, I need a move of God. Here in just a minute, we're going to have people available to pray, 
you can come pray with them. If you don't want to pray with someone, you can just have a moment of encounter. We believe God is ready to speak to you right now. So God, we just begin to ask that your voice would get louder. I pray for anyone who's struggling with feeling that they are loved by you, that you would just cut through that lie with your love, that you would cut through that lie with your truth. You would cut through that lie with your grace because it's actually your character. It's who you are. We need you, God. We, we just pray for a move of God in, the, in our time. We pray for a move of God in our lives. We pray for a move of God in, the, in and through this church. We need you, God. Humble us. Just for anyone here today, you just know it's just been a struggle. I just believe God would say, I have life for you. Come to me. Come let my kingdom, come let my work, come let my love begin to meet you personally. It is an invitation. All you have to do is receive it. You just have to receive it. And God, I, I, just, I just, one kind of final prayer for us as a community. It is evident to me that this work of the, of the church and the people of God throughout time, this beloved community that we see so clearly in 1956 and 1957, like prophetically uttered, I pray that you would soften our hearts. I pray that you would do work today that would bring reconciliation, that would bring redemption, that would bring a greater work of this beloved community because the love of God is at work in our hearts. So where we've been wounded, where we've been wounded by things and by people bring healing, where, where that work of the kingdom of darkness, that work of powers and principalities, we pray that we would stand as a kingdom of light and say, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our beautiful, perfect community, let that come here and now in Jesus' name. Let it come. We need you, God. If you're available to pray, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and start coming. I'm going to pray a, a final prayer of blessing as you go. Uh, and this is small group leaders, our staff, board. If you've been trained to pray, I I'd invite you to come. We just want as many people. We'll pray for physical healing. We'll pray for financial stuff, work. Um, we'll pray for relationships. We'll just pray. You just need to be filled with God. Be filled. So God, I do pray that. I pray you would fill us with who you are. Fill us with your, uh, with your loving presence this week. We want relationship with you, so show us how to do that. Show us how to enjoy your love in our life. Show us how to turn to you in all things. We pray your blessing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, over these people that they would walk out this week more full of the life-giving life that you give, more filled with your love. Fill us, we pray, all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.